Hello, you're listening to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, presented by Brandon Elliott. This show will be going over all aspects of real estate investing and is intended to educate, motivate, and prepare you to take action on your first or next real estate investment. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Welcome back, everyone, to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast. I am your host, Mr. Brandon Elliott. And uh, today, we got somebody in the house, a DJ. The first time having a DJ on, which is fun. Went from DJ originally, music producer, really, and and doing all types of music, which is pretty fun. We'll talk about it in a moment. But really having three different avenues of of income with his companies and um, having a financial degree and background, right? Jumping into commercial real estate and REIT trust. I think there's a lot of power behind that. But on top of that, also social media company and so much more. So Zach, what's happening, man? How are you today? Hey, great to be here, brother. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. So talk to me. Where are you located? I am in at the moment, uh, cold, but beautiful, sunny downtown Los Angeles. I'm here in my place and it's a pretty uh, cold winter for us out here in LA, but I like, cause I'm from New York city originally. So I don't mind the cold. And um, I always tell people winter is the best in LA because you get the clean air, the beautiful views, it's, you know, summer is nice for the pool, but it's can get more polluted. So I'm um, enjoying LA at the moment, you know? I love it. Yeah. I'm from New Jersey originally, so I can relate. And I live in San Diego now, so it is quite beautiful down here. Oh, but, I do uh, love San Diego. My mother's down there. So a lot of yeah. love for SD. Hell yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Cool, man. So talk to us, give us that 20,000 foot view of what the heck you're up to and where you come from to where you're at today. You got three big companies and it's just, it's kind of a unique background of music producer, DJ life, and then, you know, commercial real estate. Yeah, it's a crazy trifecta. Um, and, you know, it's hard. Sometimes it's crazy to explain it and even brand myself on Instagram because yeah. people are like, wait, I don't understand. You do real estate and you're doing marketing. You're also a DJ. Like, what's going on? And it's like, yeah, yeah I, I do all three. You know, I have a unique background in that my education was always sort of equally weighted in three main disciplines, finance, music, and then also, funny enough, political science. I was very interested in the way the world works, and I actually was studying to become a lobbyist and um, a uh, finance-based attorney during college, in which I then pivoted into more of my business entrepreneurial activities. So the way that they all supported each other is that I always felt that my music, I was able to grow an actual label and monetize it because I had a business background. And then I always tell people my business was successful because I understand politics and I understand the way the world works. So I've always studied geoeconomics. So I think that that's something that's really important for people to understand that it's not just about being, just say, good with money or good with your craft. It's also about understanding the world and understanding what where you fit into it and what makes you unique and allows you to monetize and find your path to success. So briefly, I, well, I studied piano. I had a compositional background, jazz uh, school, even sang in the choir as a kid. And then as I got older, when I moved out to Los Angeles, during my high school years, I found it really interesting how uh, electronic music was made. And I worked with a great mentor, my dear friend to this day, Emanuele Arnone, who actually worked with some huge composers like Hans Zimmer. Um, Wow. And I got to, yeah, and I got to work on a project as his intern with several projects actually through Roland Emmerich. So I worked on like Day After Tomorrow, and a lot of 49 projects. And that taught me 
not only how to utilize the software and music like Logic and Pro Tools, but how to operate it in a professional and very quick manner and learning how to deal with professional projects in the industry. Yeah, so in 2009, I got signed to Sony with, with my music and my business banner production started as simply a label and an engineering business. And I made a lot of money at the time. I was very lucky because I kind of caught this wave where not a lot of people had home studios and people were in huge demand for it at the time because yeah. the bigger studios were super expensive. And yeah. I was able to monetize. I had I had invested in myself from my from my union work and from and from what I had left over from my real estate deals. And I was and I bought myself like really high end equipment and I knew how to engineer. And for a good run, I would say for almost about six, seven years, I had a just a literally almost seven days a week. I had artists, rappers, singers, even like actors coming to my studio and recording like 10, 12, 14 hour days, you know, making really good money at tracking vocals and, and helping people with their production. And wow. this allowed me to save up a lot of capital. Another huge reason for my success is, is, is less that I made so much insane amount of money, but more that I was always living below my means. And I always preach that whether it's on my social media or whether it's in these clubhouse rooms that wealth is accumulated by not like necessarily frugality, but just simply, you know, what if you increase your your income by a hundred times, then your spending should only go up by twenty. And by keeping that sort of a frame, you're always going to be ahead. If you're spending less than you than you're earning, you're always going to be you're always going to be increasing your capital, right? So that's that was really how it started. And I used the engineering business. And what happened eventually is that my brand, DJ Bander, became bigger from not only my own marketing efforts, but I also had great management based out of New York who helped me to land some very big brand deals, including Yamaha Music, Soul Republic Headphones, which was Skrillex's headphone company that he worked with Beats by Dre, Kevin Lee. So I became wow. tight with like the Kevin Lee's crew, David Ireland, a great guy. He featured me in a ton of huge magazines back in the, those days, Magnetic and BPM. And I was getting a lot of features. I've been on the cover of Magnetic several times. So those those sort of things in the early years of my career, 2009, 10, 11, really helped to establish me in the industry, you know, and gave me a platform in which I was able to obviously express myself, which is a blessing in music, but then also grow my other businesses. So while this was all happening, though, I was behind the scenes. What a lot of people don't know is that the main thing I was focused on during these years was actually growing my real estate portfolio. So mm -hmm. while that was happening, I was taking the money and I was reinvesting and I started, I had some investments back in New York, but then I, during the 2008, 2009 financial crisis, I was giving some very good advice by some dear financial mentors that were like, now's the time to start buying up into these warehouse spaces and industrial properties in LA. And it was during a time when some of them had higher vacancies and they were just at depreciated values. And so I kind of really just took a leap of faith that I invested a lot of my capital into several of these properties. And, you know, they did really well over time. So I love that. Why real estate, though? Like, how did you get into real estate? You know, I have a family history of real estate. I learned a lot of it. My father and my and my grandfather were builder. My grandfather especially was actually a mason. And I learned the building trade and learned about real estate from my some of my family network, but then also just from like lots of my friends that I had growing up in New York, their families were also involved in it. And I always, you know, I knew that because I had the ability, I knew what I wanted to do was to be able to 
focus on my music and build another business. And I was like, how can I do this in a smart way so that I don't have to work every hour for wages? And I just was like, if I could even just take, get a small property that even just, I break even on my bills that I can use my other time to do my engineering. So that's what I did. So I had enough to invest in the real estate where I wasn't like rich by any means, but my, like, but my rent was paid and I was like, I was good. And then I used my engineering business to give me some extra money. And that allowed me the time to spend my day, not only engineering, but then also thinking about my bigger plan. So, you know, it is true to a degree that, you know, having some, having made some money helps you make more money, but it's really about time. I mean, money is at a certain point, who cares about the material things? That's not really the point of having wealth. Those are nice things, but the real point of wealth is to buy yourself more time to work on your new ideas. And I think that that's how people should be thinking about why they want to acquire wealth and why they want to get into real estate is so that they can have the time to enjoy their life because we're all very blessed to be alive and life's short. So it's if you can figure out a way to engineer your situation in such a way where you you can have more time in the day to think and do other things, it'll also lead to more success. Yeah, that's so good. It's funny because like when you have no money, then you have a bunch of time, typically, typically, totally. always, you know, but right. then once you actually start making money, like your biggest problem then is I don't have any money to do anything. I got a bunch of time. But once you actually start making money, then you start giving up your time. And then, you know, ideally you get to a point where you, you can make so much money that you can start buying back your time if you're strategic with it. Yeah. You know, and so that's that's a big key component that a lot of people don't realize at the time, but that's what's needed to be able to get to the next level. A hundred percent. You're totally right, bro. It's also about management. Uh, a lot of my friends that hit me up and asked me for advice on like how they can get to the next level financially. I always tell them, okay, look, there's when people who aren't where they want to be financially, it's one of two reasons. The first reason is that they have a cash flow crisis. They're just not bringing in the type of money that they need to live a comfortable life. And we all know inflation's crazy over the and life's expensive, especially if you live in a major city like we do, LA, San Diego, go New York. It's just the way it is. But a, a lot, I have a bunch of friends who their problem is not the cash flow. It's, it's money management. So another issue is like, okay, they're making a lot of money, but they're not tight with where it's spent throughout the month. And yep. so they're in the same crisis on the 30th that they're in when they were made with. So whether they're making 150,000 or they're making 50 grand, they're still in the same crisis. It's almost like if they're, when their income goes up, so does their lifestyle and so does their egregiousness with money. <clears throat> Excuse yeah, me, sorry, true. getting over a cold. So yeah, so so yeah, so that's that's really what I always tell people is like, first put yourself into the, you know, which which bucket are you in? Are you in the, I don't have it, I have an income problem because that you can address. Like, do you need a better job or do you need to help for your start? Or do you have a money management issue? You know, which is like, you're good at making money, but you're not good at holding on to it, you know? That's good. And so that's what I always tell people to think about when in terms of also figuring out your plans, because there's no point in going into business with somebody or trying to get a property or do any of this stuff if you haven't figured out that you have a money management problem. Because what's yeah. gonna happen is, now you're, it's gonna be even worse. You're gonna have debt, you're gonna have a bigger crisis, and then you might owe your shareholders or your business partners money, and you can get yourself into a whole heap of trouble. So I always yep. tell people, money management and cash flow remedies first. Yep. Yeah, it's so true. There's so many people thinking that money's gonna solve the problems, but it could bring on more problems if you don't know how to manage it properly and if you can't totally. get your budgeting in place. You know, it's funny, I, I used to, when I first got started as like an entrepreneur, like back in 2015, I used to, 
think to myself, well, I got to stay on top of my budgeting and really, you know, micromanage it and try to cut out some extra expenses and cut out the coffee or whatever it is. And then I had a mentor speak life into me and say like, hey, if you like that coffee every day, like, why don't you just enjoy that and then or get the car that you want? But why don't you just focus on making more money? Yeah, I was like, Oh, yeah. Well, so there's two big different key focuses here. We're, we're talking about one individual that, you know, we all know somebody that just makes a ton, but they also spend a ton and, you know, whatever comes in goes out or somebody that's in the broke side and same thing, whatever comes in goes out. However, there's a certain season that you can get in instead of, you know, pinching every little penny and try to save every little dollar and everything. There's ways that you can just focus on getting more creative of how can I make more this year? Like, how can I really triple down on my thing and bring in more capital? And that's a big key component. It's a big point of it. And sometimes it's from bringing in a new source of income, not trying to just improve the current source. Sure. You know, that's good. I have that a lot with some friends where they're making good money at their job and they're like looking they're like, I'm thinking about applying to this other job. You know, they're making, say, 90 and they are 85 and they're like, they got another job that's going to make 130, but they're happy with this job and it's a good situation. They're like, yeah, but then I could be going to be like, why don't you figure out a way to make a side business that brings you in 40 or 50 and keep this really great job that you have that's doing 80, you know, instead of trying to squeeze out a, you know, a job too. Because also another thing is like, you know, people don't understand too, you, what's important, especially if you're, if you have a job, okay, before we get into business, but if you have a job, the top line capital that they're giving you, your cash flow from it is only one piece of whether it's a good job. The security of your job is also another thing. So for example, a job that only is paying 80 or 90, but they love you and they have no plans on firing you and you could work there for literally the next 10 years is worth a hell of a lot more than a job that's going to pay you 150. But but the, the, the company's shaky. They're always, you're freaking out every month. You know, because another thing else I like, I tell this, like I tell this to my girl as well, because she's got a really good job and she's in this sort of a situation too. And I was like, this, this particular job, they don't stress you out. You don't have anxiety. You don't have fear of, of, of employment. It's like, that's worth like a lot too. Because if you have a job that's solid, then when your weekend comes, instead of being freaked out, you could actually sit down and take a deep breath and start working on your new business. You know, whether yep. that's e- e-commerce or whatever sort of a side hustle you can think of that you're good at to sort of build. So I always say it's multiple streams. You know, like for example, like my real estate portfolio now is doing really well, but it's a tough time. There's like, there's not a lot of, big plays for even me, someone who has a multi-million dollar real estate portfolio, there's really not a lot of moves to be made that's going to take my real estate right now by itself to like an insanely different level, right? So, but what is the agency, the other, my engineering business, these other companies, that's why I'm so focused on growing my other businesses because I could then use the capital that I'm acquiring from that to buy more real estate. So that's why having multiple streams, it also helps you to get past those those glass ceilings, you know, because it's like the reality is today it is like jobs only pay so much. So it's very rare. It's not like, you know, you're going to have a lot of opportunities to make 250, 300. You got to hustle your way to those kinds of cash flows. So good. So talk to me, you know, a man that has multiple different, you know how to pivot. It's not always just the the one bread and butter. It's, it's, there's a certain time, a certain season to, Hey, systemize this, manage this, and then right. jump off and branch off something else. Social media, you started building that up and you have right. an agency now, what does that look like? And, and why did you, did, you know, you came up with this? 
Yeah, that's a great question. So during that time that I mentioned before, as I started getting these brand deals, yeah. I started also working as a, a brand ambassador for several big companies, including Verizon and Visible Mobile and these telecommunications companies. And I was helping them with these big campaigns. And I was like, first of all, I was seeing like, you know, the the, the business model, I, mean, I was seeing these campaigns and I'm like, okay, I'm getting paid a few grand, which is cool and all as an, as an ambassador influencer. But then I'm seeing how I'm like, whoa, there's like 30 or 40 of us. And these companies are flying us out to New York and doing all this stuff. And I'm like, well, there's a lot of money in this social media marketing side of advertising. Yeah. And I started really doing my homework, which I always do, which I highly recommend to all your listeners too, is like really sort of studying. And I started deep diving social media marketing. And I started realizing that not only was there a lane for building your own brand and monetizing it, but then also an opportunity to help corporations and small businesses with the social media marketing as well. So Bander Productions, which has been my music label, is also my subsidiary is Bander Media, which is basically is just an extension of my services. So it's just my own LLC. And I've just the real reason I did it, obviously, was that it was for another stream of income. But it was also because, to be honest, I started learning for my own spending on on it, that so much of marketing and PR, especially in the digital space, is incredibly overpriced. It's ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. these guys are charging like six, seven, eight, nine, ten thousand a month for something that's like they're getting for like a fraction. So what I started doing was like, I want to build a company where I can help people in with packages that are in the like three to five K range where they're going to get the same if not better, one-on-one marketing, now all the same tools and consultation all included. And so that they would spend oh, like 10 bands on a bigger firm that they think, oh, well, I got this big name behind me, but it's, it's nothing. The reality is where marketing is is similar to where the music industry is, which is you can do all these things yourself with the right sure. capital investment. All that labels are doing now is like all the tools of labels we have at our company now, they, they, they get you on the radio. We can do that. You want to be on a billboard in Times Square or in these big rivers, we can do that for yeah. you. Yeah. So it's like this this sort of stuff, like the, 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 the game, as they call it, has really changed. And what I've been realizing is, is, is that it's a nice thing because I'm able to make money, but more probably I'm able to help people in the same time, you know, make more money and grow their own brand. And it's not just musicians that I'm helping with, with it's, it's podcasts, it's small business owners, it's thought leaders, it's coaches and anybody, you know, that the social media world is really the new television and it's your ability to have your own TV station advertising to an infinite, you know, continuously evolving audience. And yep. so that was the main motivation to get started with it, you know, and um, and it's been growing ever since, you know, with my partner. So we're, we're very blessed and very grateful to that. That when did you guys get started? So Bandit Productions has been around since 2009 as a label, but as a as the marketing agencies, to be honest, I've only been doing this for maybe like three and a half years now, four years. Yeah, it's, a yeah. new, it's one of my most newer projects. Like it's, you know, and we've only seen the biggest amount of growth in the last two years. So yeah. we, um, yeah, so it's, 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 it's a newer thing for me. And, and it's crazy because it's like, people always ask me like, so where did you still, where did you get your degree in marketing? Be like, I didn't go to college at all for marketing. I just understand it. And I feel like I have a kind of a knack for just branding for for captions for kind of engaging people in social media and that's the one of the main services that people like to hire me for is just like helping them to sort of make their page more alive and make their channels more active and more engaged 
No, I love it. I mean, at the end of the day, you got to see both sides, people paying a grip for it when really not needed. And you, you know, you and your influence and, and connections started to, you know, be able to get you on the front of magazines on a regular basis. So, yeah, well, you know, and it's it funny, makes so people, you know, if you are it's in a way, it's like having success in other businesses gives you one huge advantage over people who are who their marketing company, for example, is their first company. And that's that, like, you don't have as much of the issue of greed because, like, I'm already established financially. So when I start this marketing agency, it's like the key to me is getting more clients and making my clients happy, not having to, like, rob them every month of their top dollar. Like, to me, I'm, I'm the type of people, like, when, when if a client comes to me and it's like, you know, I'm going through this issue right now, I'm going through a divorce, or I'm like, hey, you know what? Let's take a break. You come back to me when you're ready. Because the last thing I want to do is like push my service out of somebody's throat and be like, no, nah, come on, like just do it a couple more months. Like I'm, I'm I, I, like, I find that also cringe. It's just like not my style or personality type. So for me, you know, the whole reason behind this is like, I do want to offer a good value. You know, I come from like, you know, my mother, I come from like a, you know, working class family. My mom was a, you know, worked in universities and school as a teacher and, you know, work nights. And I know that people work really hard to, to come up with enough money to pay for my services. So I really respect that and honor it. And, you know, so it's really important that I'm offering a good value, you know, and I'd rather have I'd rather only make a small amount of money from each client and then have like just way more clients as opposed to like gouging each client. And that's a big mistake that people make in business is like they try to make their margins so big. Just focus on scale and and people will come back. I'd rather have retention. It's like retention over revenue is what I always tell people. Good. I love that. And, you know, one of my mentors in the past told me, you know, basically, if you get in front of a, you know, a million people with your personal brand, then there's that no like and trust factor. Maybe a million people know you now, finally, but then you get 100,000 that actually like you out of that million. And then out of that 100,000 or out of the million, you get, you know, 10,000 that now know, like, and trust you and want to actually do business. So if, you know, you focus on that personal brand, you do right by others and uh, not gouge, it can be uh, just a a whirlwind for sure. Talk to me, man. You know, for real estate, what does the portfolio look like currently? So the portfolio right now is is mainly a mixture of residential REIT holdings, but not quite like homes. I'm more like a, a minority investor in, in, a, in sort of like seeing some senior housing. I'm a big, a big fan of senior housing and then also um, industrial export spaces here in California. So it's sort of like a combo of those. And then, you know, one of the properties that was like a big warehouse space, I ended up selling that one in 1031, exchanging that into a larger investment that's now like a major export property. So that would be, you know, as far as like how it's really structured. And then I have a you know significant amount of capital that I've accumulated just from saving and, you know, and refinances. And I invest some of that into, you know, obviously, you know, the Mag 7, the tech and all that kind of stuff. But a, a lot of it is actually in corporate bonds as well as in in high yielding REITs that I'm a big fan of. And I talk a lot about that sometimes in some of the business channels on uh, on a Clubhouse, you know, and then also a little yeah. bit sometimes I talk about it on my Instagram live as well, how I do that. But um, I'm a big believer in borrowing at low yield, investing at high, and then, you know, accumulating and looking for, and sort of just rinse and repeating that process, basically. I love that, man. Yeah. I- Talk to me more about the corporate bonds. Like, how'd you get into that? I, I know you have a financial background, so I'm sure you went to college for that, but... Yeah, I went to school for it. You know what? It's it's funny. It's like, 
bonds, you know, in this way have always been sort of associated with like, you know, much older people, right? Like, you know, with the retirees in their 70s and 80s. But a lot of people don't know that there's a whole other class of bonds, these corporate bonds, which actually can kind of move like equities. And even when they go down, you just sort of are constantly just rebuying more and dollar cost averaging. And some of their yields, you know, you have to be careful. You have to know which ones come from back solid companies. But I, I do a lot of research on them. Some of them are, you know, in the PIMCO family, some of them are in the CG family, like different ones, you know, um, and they all have really high yields. And what I do is I just, I just basically am constantly buying more up in the ones that I believe in. And dollar cost averaging, and I don't really stress even when they're down. Some of them right now are down in their capital position due to higher rates. If we get yeah. rate cuts, those should rally. And the meanwhile, you just sort of collect your monthly. And what I I think a lot of people don't understand is that the stock market, people think, oh, I've invested in the stock market. I buy a, a, a stock at, you know, a hundred bucks. It goes to 200 bucks and I make double my money with a, with a capital return. That's one way to make money with the stock market. The other way is to look at it as a giant rental property or accumulation of rental properties, but yeah. you get to stay in liquid. So what I like about it is that those bonds and, and all that are paying me rent, rent, quote unquote, a dividend sure. every month. Yeah. I'm collecting my income. It pays for my lifestyle, pays for my lease and different stuff. And meanwhile, if for some reason, I need cash or if I need to, or if I see a better opportunity where I can do better, I can sell. So I don't recommend people have their entire portfolio put into this, but I think a healthy percentage being into um, and doing research on both bonds and REITs that are higher yielding is a great way to, you know, increase your income. And people don't realize how much money, you know, they can really generate for themselves. You know, a lot of these bonds, for example, are like at 10%, you know, uh, and they've been They've been steady at between nine and eleven percent, literally since before the two thousand and eight crisis. Even in two thousand eight, sure. some of these bonds they collapsed fifty percent. They rallied all the way back up. Sometimes they go down, sometimes they go up, but they've maintained those sort of yields. So, if you had a hundred grand invested into that, that's a thousand a month of income. That's yeah. that's almost people's entire rent in in a lot of parts of this country. So, people don't realize that they think to retire. I always tell people this: they think to retire for the rest of your life. You need to have millions and millions of dollars. One very terrible way that they educate people about money in this country is that when people say, how much do you need for retirement? You see it on the news. The average young millennial thinks they need two, three million dollars minimum for retirement. That's based on the logic that they're going to spend down the money. If yeah. you invest, if, okay, like, like this is this craziness. What you need in reality is somewhere, which, you know, more is always better. But yeah. everyone's goal should be to save somewhere in the nature of say like three hundred to five hundred thousand. Because if you can get that kind of money put away, you can invest in these bonds, and that's three to five thousand a month for the rest of your life. You yeah, know? exactly. And, and you can just literally, you know, that may not be enough by itself to completely live on. But then you could work part time. You could have your other business where you're doing about another three to five. All of a sudden, now you're making six figures, and you're and you're and you're again, you're engineering your time, like we discussed before. So, so that's sort of you know, kind of sorry, I went on a rant about that, but that's sort of like oh, I love it. Of, yeah, 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 yeah. That's sort of the breakdown of of, of how I look at, at the bonds. I, I. I really have a big appreciation for fixed income. And I think it's an, a very sort of like underrated source of wealth in, you know, especially among young people, you know, don't shy away from money just because, you know, you're not in your sixties and seventies yet, you know, guys should be investing in this stuff in their twenties, thirties, and forties for sure. I agree. I love that.
Yeah, a lot of people, uh, young guys or, or gals, uh, you know, they they want to yeah. hit, uh, they want to get to the millionaire status like right away and just jump into their like overnight success and hit these home runs out of nowhere instead of focusing on the the steady things that can really start taking care of your rent, for example, and, exactly. and start saving more that you can compound it into. So, do you have any resources or websites that you prefer or that you would recommend for any type of research or even kind of utilizing yeah, well there's there, there's a lot of different ones i mean i'm a big supporter of like cnbc i recently did an event supporting like josh brown and the guys from that channel i also i'm constantly reading bloomberg i follow even little apps like stock twits i'm in all the time which is a really cool one where you can kind of see it's like twitter for stocks where people are constantly talking you can see the sentiment you can see lots of people's opinions, so you can make your own opinion based on, you know, you can look up one stock, you look up AT&T, you know, symbol T, and then you can see thousands of people that day talking about AT&T, sharing articles, and you can see what the sentiment is, you can get to your own sort of understanding. And then many of the brokerage houses that are really popular also, I recommend, you know, have a lot of research like Thinkorswim and all these different programs, people need to take more advantage of, you know, I tell a lot of people, young people like start a brokerage account, like start a brokerage account. It doesn't cost anything. You can literally treat it as just like a bank account and, you know, just get it open and start buying up shares of stuff slowly month after month and sort of learn the process of it. And um, that's a real great way to get started. And then, you know, and then, you know, following the business news, you know, I, I, I have Sirius XM and there's a, there's like, over a dozen business stations on there. And then I love following some of my favorite guys that I follow are like Mike Wilson, Kevin Lee, you know, so you, you have to understand, understanding investments is a combination of a mastery of micro and macroeconomic understanding. So on the micro, individual companies, individual bonds, individual equities, what are they doing? How is it going? Macro, the bigger thing, back where the political science comes in, where is the world going? What's happening with energy and why? You know, being able to understand it, people don't, you know, my girl's like, I love how much you're always, like it's easy how much you're always following the news and the war. And I'm like, yeah, because because I invest, I have a huge amount of money in energy too. So I have to understand exactly what is going to go on with this Ukraine war, with the, with the conflict in the Middle East, which is so tragic. All these things are going on to have an effect on those, on, on my positions and my investments. And that's how you stay ahead of stuff is also understanding it. And if you understand the world and you understand how these companies all relate to each other, it gives you a better understanding of like where you should be positioned overall. And so I always just tell people, you know, learn and research. It's like, it's not all about college. It's, you know, nothing against college, but it's really about, you know, picking up reading books and reading the news and really having an understanding of how this world and how this economy functions. That's the best way to start a small business. And when you appreciate money on that level, you're less likely to be egregious with your spending also, I feel. So, yeah, I agree. I think uh, the appreciation for it and understanding how the world works and, and money flowing in and out, it, you'll start probably respecting your money more. Talk to me about high yielding REITs. What is a REIT for anybody that doesn't know, just you know, to clarify? And then, sure. um, you know, I know that's a majority of what you prefer to focus on for real estate, correct? It is. I don't know what I'd call it a majority. It's certainly a, a strong percentage of my in, of investment. So REIT is a real estate investment trust. It's basically like 
usually it, there's different types. So I, I want to be careful with my definition because there's like lots of different types of REITs, but mainly sure. it's like a fund. Sometimes they're private, sometimes they're public, which are basically like, for example, a public one would be a fund that's made up of, of a lots of different properties. So you get like a property group, like for example, like Annie Ellie Management is one that I really like. And that would be like, you know, you're buying a piece of all of the properties that they manage and their flow. You know, um, SHU, I think is one, um, I have to look up, but they changed the ticker, but that one follows, like that's a REIT where you're basically buying into a fund that's made up all of senior housing, which I'm a huge believer of, and, and people don't talk about that enough, but we're in the middle of a, of a retiring generation of baby boomers that's going to only increase dramatically over the next 15, 20 years. So I tell people a lot that that senior housing is a really great place to be invested in. And, you know, with these REITs, there's also another thing that I'm investing in are, are private REITs, which is ones where you don't really buy them on the stock market. But those are really good because what you're doing is, let's say, instead of taking 100 dollars let's say you had 100 grand. There's two things that are really cool about the REITs that, that I like, like the private ones. One is that you can invest less amount of money than it would take for you to actually, say, buy an individual piece of property that's like commercial. Okay, like in downtown LA, a hundred grand is not going to really get you all that much. It might get you a piece of a, of an old mechanic shop off Vernon or something, right? Nothing wrong with the mechanic shops off Vernon, but let's just be realistic. Yeah. The other, the and the other thing that it does is so you could put a hundred grand into one of these funds, and there's usually these funds are broken down into two types of groups. There'll be like a Group A and a Group B shares. When you own a Group A shares, you get a little bit less monthly income, but then you get the 1031 exchange. And when they, when they flip the property, so you're going to, so let's say you have a hundred grand and you get 750 a month, $750 a month in income. When they flip the property, now the valuation of your investment is like say 145,000 or 165,000. The other way that you can invest is that you pay the tax on the flip, but you get more income. So that would be usually how the B shares are broken down. So a lot of it comes down to what your um, your, what your financial needs are that make it the best, that make it best. The other reason why a lot of these REITs are a great investment. The third reason is that there's huge tax deductions that come from investing in REITs that people, your, your listeners should know about yeah. a lot of these funds, especially in states like Texas, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, these states that are, that are real high growth states, they're offering incredible incentives where they'll basically give you a dollar for dollar deduction a lot of which can be written off against your federal. So yeah. you can, so your so a lot of these investments, you take a hundred thousand dollars. Not only do you now have your hundred grand working for you at a thousand a month of income plus the ten thirty one exchange, and now you have a hundred grand write off on your taxes. So if you if you know if you you know it's it's pretty crazy, which could be you know like say another thirty or forty thousand dollar windfall on your federal. So um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the main thing that I think REITs are. It's definitely something to research. And I'm by no means, I would say an expert expert on REITs. I would say I'm a well-versed investor in REITs. And it's something that I've, you know, constantly am researching. But yeah, your listeners should definitely check out REITs and definitely there's a lot of even apps for them. Um, I'm blocking the name of them and you can look them up where there's ones where you can, they're kind of like an acorn kind of a thing, except that you're investing into a fund so you you so if you don't have that kind of money on hand, if you're not sitting with like a hundred thousand dollars on hand, you could invest a thousand a month, you know, into yep. one of these funds or two grand a month, for example. Let's say, you know, I always tell people if you can put two grand a month, people don't realize that's a hundred thousand in four years. 
and oh, you know, yeah. four years goes by quick. So what I always tell people is like, you know, if if you can, if you make ten, if you make you know eight grand a month, try to live on six, stack two, because in four years, if your rent is a is, a, is say a, a grand, fifteen hundred to two thousand a month, you now in four years, that's if you only are able to put that much away, could now have a passive income investment that pays for half your rent. So people are more than capable at building the wealth that they want. It comes down to having an effective game plan. I had a great yeah. boxing coach for many years named Rock Thomas. Give a shout out to Rock. Love him like a father. And, uh, you know, he always was telling me when I was 20, he's like, you can do all the things you want to do with your music, with your business. You just got to have your effective game plan. And that's the biggest thing that people don't realize. It's like when you look at the people at the top, like, you know, Stallone and Schwarzenegger and The Rock, those guys, they just had effective game plans. I mean, people yeah. should really watch the Netflix series Arnold. If you haven't already, it's fantastic. I mean, you want to talk about somebody who really just had a plan, stuck with it, but he knew it. Like, he was on the same trip. When he came to Los Angeles, Arnold Schwarzenegger, he invested right away in trying to find a rental property so that he could spend all his time in the gym and working on his acting career, not working at Burger King to make, but, you know, he knew that if he was going to make it, he couldn't, he had to be all in, you know? So yep. I really like Arnold and I'm a big fan of his story. And and I just think that, you know, watching stuff like that for your listeners is a really cool way to kind of understand, you know, how successful people think about building this stuff. And that's how I built my, you know, my portfolio is simply being like, how can I diversify and how can I increase passive income? Love that. Yeah, that's so good. And with REITs, you can you can pull out at any point or it depends on the... Oh, that's another good question. So REITs that are public, that are as that are tickers, yes, yeah. those you can hop in and out. The downside of those is you're not going to get the 1031 exchanges, right? Those are absorbed by the owners of the REIT, which is, and they use your money to go to reinvest. And that is another issue is that, you know, if you don't do the, the liquid investments of REITs, it is something to note that, you know, you have to look at the fine print because yep. different REITs will have different rules around when you get to extract your money. It's usually when there's a sale cycle. So when there's sure. a flip, but like for right now, you know, you know, look, REITs are not without risk. I know a lot of people right now, I've been lucky that mine haven't been affected, but many people that I know that are in these REITs that are leveraged right now are getting cuts in their distribution because the debt financing on these REITs has gone up so much due to inflation that basically they're cutting into. So you need to look at the fine print of two things. What happens if there's a capital call? If there's a capital yep. call, is there a cut in distributions or is it managed some other way? Very important because if you're dependent on this income, you might not want to do one where the capital call is, you know, it'll say, oh, it's going to cut distributions, you know? And then the other one is the life cycle of the flip. So like how long before you can extract your capital into a flip? You know, sometimes it's two years, four years, sometimes it's longer. So that's something that out that you really want to do. So you get to learn. And I always tell people, if you don't understand, call an attorney, call yeah, an accountant. For sure. Hire good people. I have yep. several very dear friends, attorneys, accountants that I check in with, advisors. And, you know, I never assume like I, I understand it or I know it all. You know, there's a lot of just If you don't know, ask. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hire on the experts that can walk you through it. 
Yeah, we just had a capital call on in uh, a syndication that we're a part of right now. And and it's just one of it's a season. Obviously, you know, it's just the the interest rates going up so high so quick. Um, It's just one of those things that the best of the best deals can start looking a little shaky with the monthly pays and everything. So, yeah, but still very hopeful that with next year and and what the Fed uh, has mentioned, you know, they'll be bringing down some rates a few times. We'll, We'll see what it looks like. Yeah, I think so. I do think people should be prepared for, you know, you should always be, you know, preparing for a downturn economically and saving. And, you know, right now I wouldn't be adding much to the market. I'd be looking for opportunities to increase capital. And then if there is a downturn, you're in a great position to buy it at better prices. So, yes, I agree. So talk to me, what do you think as we kind of wrap this up? What do you think about the economy? I know we're touching on it a little bit right now, but sure. If you could go a little bit deeper, like what do you think is going to take place in the next 12 to, yeah, I think just 12 months, just because it is an election year. It's pretty typical that election years are good, but we'll see. Right. I think that, you know, it's it's a tough it's a it's a great topic. It's tough right now because there's so yeah. many moving parts. We've got world crises going on. We've got polarized candidates, neither of whom are great or you know popular, not great choices. Whether you're a Biden person or a Trump person, most Democrats and Republicans wish there was someone else that we had an option to vote for. And you know, we unfortunately the economy still it's like it's working for people who are lucky enough to have stuff already established but it, but the economy today is much harder like the opportunity like how i see it is that like even in these these cycles where things go up and they go down well my concern is that i see like when it goes back up it's more of like almost like a k recovery where each time there's a recovery less and less of like the average person gets included in the opportunities. So like, for example, like even in real estate, in the, the, the opportunities of the flips you can make in the 80s and the 90s were insane. And those yeah. went down even more in the 2000s, more in the 2010s, and now even more in the 2020s. So like, like in the 80s, you could make a million dollars with like 300 grand. Now you need like 15 million so you can make 16. Like you need to, yeah. you know, it's kind of like that's what's getting crazier is like it taking more and more capital to make more flip. You know, I'm always an optimist. You know, I, I think it's important to be optimistic. And so I believe that we could have a decent return in the stock market and the economy could do okay. You know, there's a lot on the line as, as, as also with taxes, like depending on who gets into office, you know, a lot of small businesses, mine included, have benefited from the, the Republican tax cuts. And, you know, those may or may not be continued into 2025. And I think that if they're not, that's going to hurt a lot of people. So I'm a fan of those. I'm not, you know, a fan of everything that's Republican, but I am a fan of a lot of the economic stuff. And that is something that I hope that even if the weather, even if it's the Dems who end up winning, that they keep those on because I think they're good for small businesses. And I just think that, you know, it's a lot's going to come down to also, you know, do these wars get stabilized? You know, can we reach a peace deal um, in the Middle East? That would also help, you know, things a lot. You know, can we kind of can we make an agreement, something with Russia to, so we can stop this whole, you know, endless conflict with Ukraine? That would help. Yeah. So, you know, I would say we can have a decent return in the next 12 months. It could be a lot better if we get some resolutions. And that's my hope, you know, that it does sort of return. And I do think that if we do have an easing of rates, that could see money go back into the stock market. But we still have to remember that, you know, only like, you know, less of, less than half of the U.S. population is even invested in the market. And so, 
that's something that I'd like to see changed. And, you know, I talk to young people all the time and very, very few of them, unfortunately, like even can seem to hang in these financial conversations when I have. And I'm kind of like, you know, I guess very lucky in that sense where I had such a schooling around finances. And I think what I'd like to see, what's going to help the, the economy get bigger and better for everyone is for young people to really educate themselves and to really understand you know, how money really works, how real yeah. estate works, how having a small business works and what it takes that they're not just a part of the cog in the wheel of this in this endless debt spending cycle. Credit cards are not an answer. You know, you don't have an extra just because Visa sends you a thing in the mail for 10 grand. You're not worth 10 grand more now. That's not $10,000 yeah. of capital. That's debt. You know, we have so much debt. And my biggest concern long term, probably not this year, but at some point, the debt crisis, both with the uh, the government debt and then also just personal finance debt is a concern. And I really hope, and the way that's gonna get addressed the best is not from government intervention. It's from personal behaviors. It's like, yep. stop spending on stuff you can't afford. You know, there's no shame in not being there yet. Like that's the thing yeah. that I, and it's something really hard. And I, and I say this a lot about LA culture. I'm from New York where like people are just more real. Like if you're successful yeah. financially, then okay, cool. You don't brag about it, but it just people kind of know. And if you're not there yet, that's okay too. And you don't pretend to be somewhere you're not. And I think yeah. that's something about like the East Coast is a little bit different. And even, you know, but LA, it's really bad where it's like everybody here kind of seems to like feel like they have to like have this bravado like they're super on. And that's what's fueling all this debt because people that are barely making it, they got to have, they'll do anything to make sure that they get the new BM, BMW or new Benz or new Porsche, whatever they got, anything to, you know, to scam their credits so that they can afford this car, so they can show a lifestyle. And all it's doing is actually hurting all of us because yeah. they're actually on a very tiny scale, they're actually making the overall economy worse versus taking that money and instead of, you know, giving it to a foreign country for their car, investing in a small business that employs people like here in Los Angeles, like that's what California needs. That's what local economies around the country need. So think of what you're doing with a small business and growing your own financials is actually patriotic. You're actually doing something that we really need as a macro economy. I love that. You know, you touched on it a little bit in the very beginning. I'm focusing on active income, getting something up, diversifying and, and taking that active income and putting it right. into investments. And I, I think that is it's so crucial, especially in like a time like this of like, we don't really know what what's going to happen this year. It's just a, a weird, wild season. There's a lot of things in the mix that totally. could definitely stir the pot. So if anything, you know, have that active income and diversify and start just getting ready to put your money to work. But, you know, no need to keep up with the Joneses. It, it really does make a more lasting impact if you get the assets that pay out the monthly dividends that can actually pay for everything, you know, Absolutely. All, all the all the luxury things that you really want in life. Yeah. But I love and it's that, okay, man. And it, yeah. It's, a, it's okay for it to take some time, you know? Yeah. Like, you know, it's a long race. Like, it's like life is short, but life's also long. Like people feel, I feel like this new generation where it's like, I see a lot of people like, it's, it's like, there's this bizarre ageism thing that's happening where people are acting as if like, you know, 
you're like archaic if you're like in your late 30s and 40s. It's like crazy. It's like, and they're you're willing to do anything because they're like, if you if you don't have millions and millions by the time you're 30, you're like, you're done for. When it's like, you know, the real way you build wealth is a long play. You know, there's no quick schemes. And then when you get into, you know, you get into your 30s and 40s and even 50s, you can actually really, you're still young and you can really enjoy it and it's sustainable versus having to do all these quick things. And if you haven't built your foundation, let me tell you, if you don't have your foundation built about capital control, commercial real estate investment or residential, whatever it is, or knowing how to invest in these passive income things, then you are more likely not, no matter how much money that you make on the front end, can lose it on the back end. Because your methodology for how you manage all of your expenses is gonna be by spending principal. So if you don't have the skill sets for how to get returns on a principal, then you're just going to end up broke no matter how much that you make. And we see it time and again. We see it with athletes. We see it with all those crypto investors. How many of those guys made like 20 million from crypto and instead of selling it all like they should have, paying the tax and taking 10 million of it and being wealthy for the rest of their lives in real estate, thought, no, I'm going to hold on to it a little bit more. I'm not going to sell any of this. I'm going to make 50, 100 million with it. And now they're broke. You know, I can't tell you how many people were calling. I remember during the NFT craze, all these people were hitting us up. You know, we did really well. We all, we did a lot of work helping people with NFTs and stuff. But I and I used to think I was like, hi, oh, I don't feel this is sustainable. And and I don't hear from those people at all anymore. They're just at done. all at yeah. all. I'm like, yo, at like, all. no one even says the word NFT anymore. It's crazy. <laughs> so I'm just like, you know, the the love for that is like, in, and that's why success from comes from your ability to control greed. That's I'm good. not successful. I'm not wealthy today because I've made so much money. It's because I wasn't greedy and I've and I've been careful with what I have made. That's really what separates it. So oh, I, just, I just, I hope that, I hope your listeners take that advice in and for my people yeah. too that, that follow and watch this interview and realize here that like, that's what really separates. And you look at the, you know, the athletes, for example, the investors who've really done a great job and have so much like Arnold Schwarzenegger we're talking about, like Magic Johnson, because yeah. these guys bought properties. These guys made good investments. They bought restaurants. They bought all types of stuff. Look at all the things they're involved in. And they didn't rely on principle or just endless cash coming in from their movies or their basketball stuff. They used their primary source of earning to diversify on owning other stuff. And that's what everyone else should do too. I love that. Zach, man, you're dropping some fire today. I love it. Thank it's, you for uh, the opportunity, bro, for the space. I appreciate you, man. Yeah, man. It's a blessing. Talk to me. How can the listener, you just gave an hour of your time first off, what could myself or or the listeners do to give back to you? And then how can they get a hold of you? Man, I would love for everybody to reach out to me. Um, Instagram is probably the best way. I'm on there a lot and I do most of my business on there as far as the marketing. It's uh, at DJ Bander, DJ B-A-N-D-E-R. And you can shoot me a DM on there. You can also check out my marketing website, banderproductions.com. But just shoot me a DM on a follow and tell me that you heard me on the podcast and I'll follow you guys back and uh, love to support and learn about what you would, what all your people have you know, going on and see how I can help to grow their businesses. I love it, man. Well, I appreciate your time today and guys, nothing but knowledge and, and just financial literacy. And that's what we're all about here as well. You know, I know this is the real estate podcast for Ready, Set, Go, real estate investing. But, you know, at Credit Counts Elite, we're all about financial literacy and teaching people the difference between good debt and bad debt. So reach out to Zach and pour into him. He's a wealth of knowledge. I'm serious. He'll really uh, go much deeper, I'm sure. So any questions, reach out to Zach. But if you want to get a hold of me, you can always do so on Brand 
Brandon Elliott Investments at IG or even IG on our new page for Credit Council Elite. And then facebook.com forward slash Brandon Elliott Investor. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button to Ready, Set, Go Real Estate Investing Podcast. What are you waiting for? Do that right now. You'll get the newest notification every Monday when the new episode drops. And you can leave that five-star review after listening to a few. Greatly appreciate all love and support. And if you are interested in what the heck we're doing here at Credit Council Elite, we're showing you how to get up to 500K at 0% interest on credit cards and lines of credit. However, making sure that you're being good stewards of it and putting it to work in real estate or growing and scaling your business. And that's the difference so that you're not the average person out there doing anything crazy with it. So with that being said, check out creditcounselelite.com. That's www.creditcounselelite.com. Quick 10 minute video on there that describes more, answers your questions, and we can jump on a call afterwards. So appreciate you guys greatly. We'll see you on the next episode next week. And until next time, God bless. Zach, appreciate you, brother. Thank you, guys. This has been another episode of Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by Brandon Elliott. For more information, please visit brandonelliottinvestments.com. Also, please don't forget to like, share, and leave a comment below. Thanks again for joining. Until next time, God bless.